We are, again, in the middle of this series, or just starting off this series, uh, called Is Anyone Out There? How do we connect with God? How do we talk to God? And we're looking at two primary passages. We are going to eventually be in Luke 11, but right now, for the first two weeks, we're camping out in Matthew 6. And uh, when we really start to think about prayer and, and think about what it is, it can seem odd, right? It can seem very one-sided one time, something that we just have to do to to maybe get God's attention of what's going on in our life. And last week we talked about usually prayer is linked to some kind of event in our life, right? Mealtime, let's pray. Bedtime, pray. Church, pray. Bad news, pray. I need a miracle in my life, we're going to pray. And I, I, I even thought about that this week of how often I was growing up, you know, we have to say our prayers before we go to bed. And I, I remember this prayer, and maybe you said it as a kid too, now I lay me down to sleep. You remember this one? Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to die. I was like, how do we pray that as a kid? Like, was this fearful? Like, am I going to actually die before I wake up in the morning? It was kind of, as I look back at an adult, I was like, wow, that's, that's a little intense for a kid. And then, uh, you know, we had our uh, little quick prayers. We would say, you know, good Lord, good meat, thank God, let's eat, you know, for blessings, things like that, that we would have these repetitive prayers. Uh, that kind of went along with certain things in our life. And prayer often becomes more of a response to a circumstance than an actual practice of pursuing and developing intimacy in a relationship with our Creator. And this is why we're doing this series. Because even as weird as prayer can seem at times, it is not just a religious practice of our faith. It is a way that we better un- when we better understand its purpose and its power, it becomes a vital part of our faith and a vital part of our relationship with God. And last week we talked about how the root words of prayer simply mean to draw near or move towards someone with the intent of gaining advantage. That's what the word prayer actually means, is to put yourself in a position close to someone who can, who can provide provision in your life. That's what prayer is. Move yourself into a position to experience provision and aid in your life for for advantage. Not to take advantage of God, but for for him to work for your good, to experience good in your life. And this speaks to the much deeper meaning of prayer and what it really is. It's not just a response. Instead, it's an initiative that we take in order to move closer to God and put ourselves in a more advantageous position to step forward in wherever we are in our faith journey. Maybe it's just understanding who God is more. Or maybe it's trying to understand pain and hurt that's in your life and walk through that. Or maybe it's trying to understand what's next for you, where, what door God is opening. These are all parts of that. And prayer is a conduit that God gives us where we are able to directly access his presence, his wisdom, his love, his truth, his healing, his understanding, his forgiveness, every aspect of his infinite character. And that's what we're going to be talking about starting next week. How do we pray to connect with all that? But before we jump into Luke 11, starting next week, we're going to, uh, again, stay in Matthew 6 this week one more time to talk about what prayer is not. And last week and this week, we're really trying to take away some of the the myths or misconceptions about prayer before we step into what it is. And last week, we talked about how Jesus made it clear that prayer is not this notable public performance that we go out and put on a show. And he talked about how the hypocrites did their right. And the word hypocrite we looked at last week meant actors. 
people that put on a show of prayer using big words and nice prayers that they had gotten from other people in a way to, to perform for people instead of have moving into the presence of God. And instead, Jesus challenged us to, to move into a private place, to meet privately and talk privately with God, to let our private prayer, prayer lives become the primary source of prayer in our life. Not, not public prayers, not that public prayers here in the church are bad or in other places, but that our private personal prayer lives become the primary source of us connecting with God. And so we, we learned last week that prayer was not this notable, you know, performance. This week, we're going to look at verses, uh, next couple verses in Matthew 6. And what we're going to learn about prayer is this. It's also not just this ritual that we go through. Prayer is not a ritual. Or this ritualistic sayings that if we say the right things, we can get God to respond in a certain way. And again, the, the context for Matthew 6 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's kind of turning everything upside down, how you approach loving your neighbor, how you approach loving your enemy. All these things are found in there, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your neighbors, all these things. And then he goes this whole section on these spiritual practices like prayer and how we move them from this public ritualistic performance to a personal, private, and powerful engagement with God. So let's look today at Matthew 6, 7 through 8. We're going to read it and then grab some of the words out of there and then, and then get some principles that go along as we begin to understand what he's saying in this passage. So this is Matthew 6, 7 through 8. And he's continued. He said, don't pray like the hypocrites. But then he says in verse 7, and also when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So I want to, again, jump on some of these phrases and see what he actually means here. And the first one he says, do not heap up empty phrases. Now this term here, when he says empty phrases and, and to heat them up, it's basically, the way, it's the way to understand is somebody that, like when they speak, they, they stutter or stammer and say the same thing over and over and over again. To repeat the same thing over and over. They produce, uh, in these days, there was a practice, and, and even in our day today, to simply take specific words or phrases, like from the Torah or from the Psalms, from the writings of other people, and just chant those as their prayer. And just, you know, three, four words and just chant it over and over and over again. I've actually seen this in practice when I've gone to Israel before, people praying. Uh, at the Western Wall, where they are continually just saying the same prayer hundreds of times over and over again, hoping that these words, just these words, saying these words, will get their response from God. And there was no engagement with the words or really using their own words to speak to God. It was empty phrase and spoken thousands and thousands of times in the hope of maybe proving to God that you are serious. It's an automated response is the way they were approaching it. You ever called customer service for something? You know, you, nobody picks up anymore. Like, you, what, you've, you know, hey, this is T-Mobile. Press one if you need this. Press two if you need this. Press three. And then you press that. And then you've got a you know, whole nother. Press four for this. Press two back. Goes, you know, back. Whatever. And you're like, I just want to talk to somebody. Just let me talk to one person. And now they've got it, too. Like, I used to get by and just hit zero. And now when you hit zero, it just hangs you up. And you have to start over. I'm like, what is this? It drives me crazy. And, and the truth is, God doesn't want us to approach him this way because he knows there is no intimacy in this type of prayer. If we're like, okay, if you need help, then press one. 
If you need to pray before you go to bed, press 2. If you've got a problem, hit 3 and just say this. That is not what prayer is. It's more like, I'm thankful this last year I flew a lot. Uh, I have some status with Delta right now, and I'm grateful for that. So when I call Delta, I dial the same number. But for whatever reason, like one ring, they pick up and they go, Hello, Mr. Thompson. Welcome back. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is beautiful, right? I mean, and this is what the intimacy of, of God is. They were like, what do you need? You know, can I help you plan your next trip? And this is what God does when we approach him in prayer. It's not this automated response, just heaping up repetitive words or hitting this to try to get this response. It is this intimate conversation. And the key idea that I want you to grab is this. God does not listen to our prayers because the right words are phrases. He listens to us because he desires intimacy with us, right? He, he's not waiting for you to use a key word. Like, ah, you, you, I like that prayer. I'm going to do this. He wants intimacy with us. This is why Jesus says here, don't heap up these meaningless phrases. Don't just repeat what you've heard somebody pray before. Like you heard somebody pray something and then you heard God answered their prayer. So I'm just going to take that prayer and start using it myself. God doesn't want the words. He wants the intimacy. It's a beautiful part of prayer. And he says, don't do this. He says, but who does as he describes in, in the passage? He, he says, they're Gentiles. The Gentiles do this. Now, last week, we, they, he warned us not to be like the hypocrites. Uh, those, he said, that were praying like they were acting to prayer. And this week, he says, to be aware of praying like the Gentiles do with these empty, repetitive phrases. Now, culturally, what, what does the word Gentile mean? And it actually meant somebody in those days that was not Jewish. But, but the heart of the word would mean those who actually really don't know who God is. A Gentile was somebody that maybe had a very cursory connection with the Hebrew God, or someone who maybe worshipped different gods or multiple gods. Basically, they were still trying to figure out who God is, what he wants from them, how they might get his attention so that he could do something good for them. And Jesus is reminding his audience and us today that our God, the God of the Bible, is not only real, but he is knowable and approachable. He has come to meet with us. He has chosen us. He isn't hiding from us. He is so concerned with the things that we have to work out really hard that he is giving his attention to us. We are not strangers approaching God for scraps from his table or leftover blessings. Jesus is reminding us that we are his chosen, his children, and his creation. We aren't beggars. Instead, we are family. We are family. Now think about this. Why we, don't, we wouldn't use the same repeated, repetitive words over and over again in prayer. It, yeah, this, this week on, uh, I think it was Friday, I had a went to lunch with a friend of mine here from the neighborhood. We met a couple guys, ended up sitting down at a table with two guys I didn't know. And you've done this before. You meet people for the first time in the basic conversation. Hey, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? How long have you been here? You know, you've got your top five questions to just get the conversation rolling a little bit. Uh, we got deeper into the conversation. Whenever I, you know, I just, I'm waiting for when they say, what do you do to me? Because I love dropping it. Oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, Oh, oh, they start analyzing everything they've said in the conversation at that point. Like if I offended you, I was like, it's okay, you know. But I love that, you know, we do that. But we, we spent a couple hours together. I feel like I got to know a couple new friends. Now, what if next week I go out with the same friend and I meet these two, new, two guys again 
and like we're sitting at the table and I said, hey, you know, what's your names and what do you do? Where are you from? How long have you, they, they would look at me like, are, are, you, are you okay? You know, why are you, why are you asking us these same questions? Why are you repeating it? It's because at this point, I know them. I know who they are. I've learned things about them. They've learned things about me. Our conversation should go to a deeper level next time. I, I should be able to follow up with them about some things I asked them last time. And this is what we do with God. And this is what God, he is knowable, right? I don't have the same conversation with you every time I meet you. I don't have the same conversation with God every time I sit down with him because I'm understanding him better. He is revealing himself more and more to me. If I'm sick and I need prayer because I'm sick and the next, time, the next day I don't have to remind God that I'm sick. You know, he knows, he remembers. He's not a forgetful God. We can go to the next level about what we're feeling and how it's impacting our lives. What I'm struggling with in that moment versus what I was struggling with yesterday. This is the beauty of prayer. And this is why we just don't throw out these empty, repetitive prayers. Instead, we approach God personally, individually, and intimately. And the key idea I want you to grab here is this. Prayer is an intimate conversation that creates depth and meaning in our relationship with God. I would dare say, because it's been true in my life, if you don't feel like your relationship with God is deepening and growing and you're understanding more, it's probably because we're not praying in the way that we should be. And I'm not saying more often even, I'm not saying longer prayers, but we're just maybe having cursory conversations with God over and over again instead of really having more deeply meaningful conversations as we spend more time with Him. That's what God wants. This prayer is an intimate conversation that creates depth and meaning in our relationship to God. So he says, do not be like these Gentiles who use these repetitive phrases. And why do they do it? He says, so that they may be heard for their many words. Jesus tells us that the Gentiles use many words in order and, and, and hope to be heard by God. The idea of being heard here, that the word used there, uh, actually means to kind of yell out are waved down in order to get someone's attention. The idea of using many words here, the word many means many, 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 almost uncountable and unstoppable words. It is the idea of you having to constantly scream over the voices of thousands of other people in order to hopefully get God's attention for one moment so that he might give you a little bit of favor and blessing. If I use enough words, keep going, I can get God's attention, right? few years ago, many of you know Jamal. He, he comes here. He comes also to our FIDI campus. Jamal is a film director and producer. I helped him uh, produce a film a number of years ago that got into the Cannes Film Festival, and him and I got invited to go to the Cannes Film Festival. And it was an amazing experience, first time I'd ever been. And while we were there, uh, Jamal did something, and we got two tickets to actually walk the red carpet one night. So if you've ever seen it on TV, it's beautiful red carpet on either side are just staggering stands of photographers, paparazzi. So we're in line to go in with all of the nobodies. You know, we're just kind of shuffling through and we show them our ticket. And as we happen to walk on, uh, the star of the night, the car pulled up. And I can remember as Willem Dafoe. If you know Willem Dafoe, I always remember as the Joker or whatever, the Green Goblin in Spider-Man, but he was in much better movies, Platoon, other things like that. But uh, Willem Dafoe shows up and it was like all of a sudden the paparazzi just stood up and everybody's screaming, Willem, 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 Willem. And I was like, 
I'm here too, guys. Like, why don't you want my picture? But they were screaming as loud as they could as he slowly walked up, just so that he might give them a glance toward their camera. They could get a picture and have a moment, maybe get an autograph, whatever it might be. And this is how we sometimes treat prayer, right? That God is this celebrity and we're the paparazzi trying to get his momentary attention so we can have one second of time with him, grab a picture, autograph, and then we can both head our separate ways. Jesus says this isn't how it works. This isn't prayer. It's far from it. And he says here, do not be like them. Don't do this. Do not be like them, which means avoid these practices. Don't imitate it just because you see someone else doing it. It isn't healthy, it isn't right, and it isn't prayer. Just because you keep doing something doesn't mean you're gonna, it's going to actually help you. I've been going to the gym a lot, and one of the things you, as you talk about when you go to the gym is right form and right practice. You can actually do more damage to yourself trying to lift weights or do certain exercises if you do them the wrong way. You're not building muscle. You're actually tearing things down, creating damage in your body. And the same thing is when we try to pray a certain way, we use repetitive phrases or we just yell trying to think we can get God's attention. If I can say it enough times, if I can shout him down, he'll see me. And then we get frustrated, right? Because we're not seeing the response or the intimacy that we thought that we would. And it's because we're actually practicing prayer the wrong way. And this is why he says, don't do this. This is not it. And the key idea I want you to get here is this. Prayer doesn't get God's attention. Instead, it is a way for him to show his affection to his children. Whole different ballgame. We don't have to shout him down to get his attention. God has provided prayer for us as a way for him to show affection to us, to connect with us. And then at the end of this passage, I love what Jesus does here because he talks about what not to do because he says, now let me tell you why you don't do these things. It's not because you can do better. He says, because it's all about really what God does. He says, for we pray to a father who already knows what we need before we ever ask. He already knows a father who knows. Jesus ends this section by telling us and reminding us that we don't pray to a distant and distracted God who we must use the right combination of words screamed over and over again in order to get his attention. No, instead we pray to a father who already knows what we need. The words that Jesus used here for a a father who knows even before we ask have a beautiful meaning to them. The word for father here actually means the originator of everything. Like the the father of of life, the father of this. That's the kind of father he used. He is the source of everything, whatever we need. And it means this. It means that this father who knows us so well understands you so well because he created you. He knows the depths of your true identity. He knows your struggles. He knows your challenges, your hurts, your fears, your guilts, your pain. He knows what brings you joy. He celebrates with your triumphs. He pursues good for you and wants a life for you that is full of pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope. And he knows all of this about us before we even say a word in prayer. Not that we've got to unlock this with the right combination or just say it loud enough and enough times. Before we even speak a prayer or think about what to pray, he knows and he cares. But we often fall in the trap of thinking that praying is like the Gentiles. That one, there's some certain phrase I need to say to get God to hear me to answer my prayers. 
I remember when I first started out in ministry and I began to teach on a regular basis. I had a pastor friend in my life who I think was very well-meaning, but he came to me one day and he said, you know, before you ever get up to speak, you should always take time to pray and pray for God to, to you know, speak through you. And I, I do, I, I do that, but he then handed me a piece of paper who was like, this is the prayer you should, prayer you should pray. And he's like, this has worked for me for all these years. And it was a script. Like, I was like, What's that? that's a good prayer. But like, I, it was one of those, I, he, he wanted me to put it in my Bible and like laminate it. And like, I was like, I, you know, I appreciate that. I was trying to be as nice as I could, but I, I would prefer just to talk to God alone. I appreciate the advice of reminding me to talk to God, but you don't have to give me your script. There's no set words I had to say. Are we falling in the trap of, I need to pray a certain length of time, right? For a certain time of day for God to hear me and answer my prayers. I want you to hear this. God doesn't keep a scorecard to determine when he will act. He doesn't have up in heaven that, you know, for health problems, you have to pray 30 times an average of 20 minutes and have 50 other people praying for you before he'll decide to act. You know, for financial problems, you need to pray 15 times for 24 minutes, but don't tell anyone else to pray for you about that. This kind of thinking is absurd and it makes our God more like the wizard in the Wizard of Oz than actually a beautiful, honest, loving creator who wants authentic relationship and intimacy with us. Are, are we falling into the trap of, you know, I've got to get so many, like I said, so many other people or connect and I've got to pray for a long length of time. I've got to get up every morning and pray exactly this way uh, before God will do anything. And I want you to hear, I, I love the fact that Jesus tells us that God already knows what we need before we ask. It's not that God's even waiting on me to ask, to act. Can you catch that? And that's crazy. God's not waiting on me to ask, to act. Now, those of you who are parents in here, you maybe understand that a little better. Because when you see your kids, and you know something could bring your kids joy, even maybe they don't understand it, do you know what you do? You get it for them. You, you make it happen. Or you see pain coming your kid's way. You don't wait for them to ask. Hey, you know, can you handle that? Dad? No, you just handle it when you see it. Before they ever ask, you act. But just think about this God that we have. A loving, all-knowing, all full of wisdom, full of grace and mercy, Father who knows what we need before we ever ask. It's not up to your words or my words some secret formula that's going to get God to act. Again, prayer is a, an act of intimacy. We grow in our meaning and depth of God. And the key idea I want you to grab here is this. Prayer isn't to let God know about your needs, but instead it's an invitation for him to take control of handling those needs in your life. It's you saying, okay, God, I don't know better than you. Take it. Take it. You, you, you already knew before I was going to ask anyway. So it is an invitation for you to let go and let God take control. This is why Jesus says, don't pray like the Gentiles. Pray knowing that we have a Father in heaven who knows what we need before we even ask. I want you to know that God already knows. Whatever you're dealing with in your life right now, whatever struggle, whatever roadblock you're hitting, Whatever it is, when we talk about prayer, you're like, this is what I'm praying for right now. Whatever that is, maybe you're celebrating something. I want you to know God already knows. He already knows. Doesn't mean that we can't talk to him about it. 
It's not like he's like, yeah, I don't even know. You don't have to bring that up. No, it's more like, a, again, when a father, I, when my kids come home and they've learned something new in school. For the first time, they've, they've figured out a math problem on their own or they've learned some interesting fact that I've known for 30 years. I don't say like, you just figured that out? Loser, come on, you know? No, I, I get excited with them. I get excited for their growth and their development. I come alongside, and this is what God did. Even though he already knows he's not holding it over us as judgment or looking at us as we're deficient, he's journeying with us. So then, how do we actually pray like this? How do we do this? How do we move forward like this? And this is where we are starting our journey next week. Because in, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, then, all right, I told you how not to pray. Then he changes, he says, then pray like this. And he gives us a beautiful model to follow. Not just to repeat. The Lord's Prayer is not given us just to repeat over and over again. Again, that goes back to what we said we don't do, right? But it's a beautiful model of how to begin what I call conversation starters with God. How do we get this conversation going with God that helps us in a meaningful, meaningful, more deeper level? And this is what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. So I encourage you, be here, engage, because I, I know for me, as I've studied prayer over the years, it has been one of the things that has radically changed my understanding of who God is, who I am, and how we connect. It, it's not a genie in a bottle to get what I want. It's not, a, a, again, somebody, I got to get somebody's attention to, to hear from me, to give me a little bit of his blessing. What prayer has been for me is the, the best tool of intimacy that I've ever had with my Creator. So I encourage you to be a part. And our question for today as we end is this. Where have you been making prayer more of a ritual practice than a relational conversation? Where have you been making it more of a ritual practice than a relational conversation? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. And we're going to close with a song that is a prayer for us, a prayer to be sung by us and to us as we remember that God is who he says he is here. That God is a father who knows everything we need before we ask. That God is not distant. That he is with us. He is available. He picks up the phone and is ready to talk. God is not distracted by everything else going on and we've got to shout and get his attention and get him to look toward us. He is ready to, to he knows intimately what is already going on in our life. So God, we come before you this morning as your children, as people that you have already displayed yourself to, that we know you. And we come to you as a, a father that is ready to act before we ever ask. And we're grateful for that. So God, let this song, let this prayer that we're about to sing remind us who you are and be the joy and the hope that propels us to move deeper into relationship with you as we learn to pray with intimacy and with joy in our lives.